your dream to become a reality, you've got to see it, which is vision, say it, which is your declaration of faith, pray it, which is God's help, pay it, play it, which is play the chord sent to you or given to you in life, stay it, which means stay the course, as I've said, then sanctify it because, as I've pointed out, some people are destroyed by their own success rather than remembering the God who made them successful. So to see it has to do with your vision. We covered that. We've moved on to say it. And I thought today I was going to move over and shift into pray it. <laughs> but I put on my brakes here. One more Sunday, let me talk about say it. Amen. So I want to talk once more about conversations you need to have with yourself. Part three. Amen. And I want you to think about it for a moment. Do you agree with me that what you say is important? Didn't Jesus say, for every idle word you speak, you will someday give an account for that? Because your word has such incredible creative power. Not only do your words have power, how you say it is important. Would you agree with that? Never will forget that old movie years ago where this guy calls up, walks up and calls somebody a name. He said, when you say that, you better smile. <laughs> Y'all remember that years ago? Call me whatever you want to, but just smile while you're saying it. Otherwise, I might get upset. Not only is what you say important, but how you say it matters. Boudreaux went to see Dr. Thibodeau, who ran some tests and concluded that Boudreaux had a very serious disease. Is it bad? Asked Boudreaux. Yeah, yeah. But you got nothing to worry about, Dr. Thibodeau answered. Medical studies show nine out of ten people die from this disease you got. And Boudreaux was stunned and stood up and said, what? Nothing to worry about and nine out of ten die with this disease? And Dr. Thibodeau said, that's right, Shai. Because I done treated nine folk with this disease and they all died, so that means you're going to live. You're the tenth one. Sometimes you need somebody to speak life over you, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can. Now say to yourself, I can. That's scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Speak life. All of us have had death spoken over us before. Amen. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 3, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and they indeed were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know, or as some other translations say, only you know the answer to that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will speak life to us today and teach us to know how to speak life to ourselves and those around us. No situation is impossible when you're involved in it. No circumstance is beyond your hope or your help. Help us to realize that and never let us speak death to ourselves or to people around us or even situations we're in again. Help us to understand the power of your word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. 
Israel was in captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity when God shows this vision to Jeremiah. What was the vision about? Well, for all practical purposes, Israel as a nation had died and ceased to exist. When do you know of a nation being carried away into captivity? When do you know of it ever being restored to life again? Which is what made Israel becoming a nation May 6, 1948, such an incredible miracle that has only happened twice that I know of in the history of the world, and both times it concerned the nation of Israel. So the Jewish people have been carried away into captivity. God has given them a word that they'll be there 70 years, and then he will cause them to return. Problem is, they've been now uprooted for decades from their homeland, and they don't think they're ever going back. And they believe they're like this valley of dry bones, that Israel's hope has absolutely perished. And so God has to find a prophet and ask him, set him down in the middle of a valley of dry bones. Those dry bones became a metaphor for where Israel was at. And since they didn't believe that God could raise them up, God needed to speak a word of life over the nation. But before he could do that, he had to find someone that believed that it was a word of life, that he could use as the instrumentality through which the word of life could be spoken. So he asked Ezekiel, he, he tests him. He actually puts him through this little calisthenics program, this test designed to see if he can carry this word to the nation. He says, what do you see? And, well, I see a valley full of dry bones here, Lord, very many of them. And he said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel wisely said, only you know the answer to that question. Israel had developed a block. And the way life is, according to your faith, so be it unto you. Last week, I talked about how we're programmed by life to accept lids or limitations that end up holding us back in life and how to go beyond where we presently are. We must remove that lid. That's the artificial ceiling that stops us as we move upward in life. That can be your socioeconomic status. Some people have a lid. They'll never make over $60,000 a year, some forty-five. Everybody's lid is different. Some people's lid is, you know, they're going to, every relationship is going to have problems. Mom and dad fought. Everybody in my family fought. My uncle's my aunt. My marriage is going to have problems too. That's their lid. That's as far as they will go. They've learned to live with that. We, they've accepted limitations. People accept limitations in ministry. They accept limitations in physical circumstances. They don't have to accept limitations in. And I mentioned last week's savants. And for a few minutes, I talked specifically about Leslie Lemke, born in the state of uh, Wisconsin, who, though he was born blind, severely brain damaged, uh, and not even taken home by his mother, left at the hospital, and eventually adopted by one of the nurses named May Lemke. Uh, he didn't even take his first step till he was 15. And at the age of 16, she had bought a piano, put it in the room, hoping that that might inspire him. But he was blind, Never moved, never, never moved a limb until he was five. As I said, never took a step until he was 15. And at the age of 16, when he was 16, one night May Lemke and her husband were awakened by sound, the sound of music being played in the, where the room was that contained both the TV and the piano. And she got up and they, they thought that they had left the TV on and went in and there was her son, Leslie Lemke, sitting at the piano playing 
um, Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 that he had heard only a couple of days before. Only one time in his life had he ever heard it. And he sat down and began to play it. Now, uh, I've gotten some feedback. So I, I realize some people out there don't even know what Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 was. So I looked for it, uh, recorded by Leslie Lemke, but there's nothing out there that, that all videos basically don't exist anymore about him. So he was playing it flawlessly after hearing it one time. Now to show you what that's like, I want to just play a little bit of the Chinese pianist Long Long. He's playing the very same concerto that Leslie was playing, but he's playing this at the Memorial Day concert with the National Symphony, Symphony Orchestra in Washington, D.C. Just watch a little bit of this and you'll see what Leslie was playing. Anybody volunteer to come up and try this right now? Even those of us who have had lessons, would you come please? This is a blind guy who's never had a lesson in his life who can't even see the piano or the keys, hears it one time and gets up and plays it flawlessly. And he has an IQ. Most savants have an IQ in either in the high 30s, the 40s, or the 50s, a severely mentally handicapped. And... May wakes up, she and her husband, and hear this kid that's supposed to be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life with severe brain damage, playing this. Arpeggio is the whole thing. There's more to this story. After Leslie grows up, May develop Alzheimer's. She's going to be with the Lord now. A family doctor recorded this that you're about to see. May is an advanced Alzheimer's. She barely knows she's in the world. Barely knows she's in the world. Not responding. The doctor comes in, gets her up, and sets her down beside her adopted son, Leslie, and he begins to play the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to watch what happens. enough. You, you get the idea. First thing is, she was obviously a believer. Forgive me, just for a moment. 
The second thing that I that to me was so compelling about this is that she had reached down into that boy's condition of mental retardation and helped him discover the gift that God had placed inside of him. And then when she was in the depths of Alzheimer's, his gift reached down and drew her back up. Let me give you another example of a savant. His name was Kim Peek. Anybody ever hear his name? He was the real-life rain man, and you might remember the movie by that name starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman for, from some years ago for which Dustin Hoffman actually won an Oscar. Kim Peek was the character that the movie was actually based on. He was what they called a mega savant. He passed away several years ago in 2009. He was actually brought in to be on the set so that Dustin Hoffman could model his actions after Kim's behavior. And like Leslie, Kim was also born severely handicapped mentally. I think his IQ, if I'm not mistaken, was only 58. Doctors said he was so severely retarded that he would never walk or talk and that he shouldn't be institutionalized. But when Kim was six, another doctor recommended a lobotomy, but didn't know that by that time, Kim had already read and memorized the first eight volumes of a set of family encyclopedias in the home. At six, he memorized the first eight volumes. He had an photographic memory. He couldn't attend high school because of his condition, but he was tutored four hours a week at home. Four hours a week. Two days, two hours each time. But he graduated high school at the age of 14, four years early. When he was 18 years old, he was hired to manage the payroll of a company with 160 employees, a task he performed in only a few hours each week without the use of a computer or a calculator. He was in his early 30s when they laid him off because the management at the company decided to computerize payroll accounting. It took two full-time accountants plus the computer to replace this guy right here. He did everything in his mind, never forgot one thing. When he would read a book, his left eye would read the left page and his right eye would read the right page at the same time. And he memorized everything that he read. He had 12,000 books he had memorized. It blows my mind. Yet he had to have help buttoning his own shirt. And they had to teach him to walk and he never learned to walk properly. He always walked sideways rather than straight forward. People ask me sometimes, you know, what do you think is the reason that a savant is able to do what they can do? And I'm not a scientist. And scientists, I can tell you because I've read about it through the years. That, this is something, by the way, fascinates me. There are about 100 people like this they have found in the world that are like that. Severely retarded, very low IQ, and yet phenomenal abilities like hear a song once and memorize it and go play it perfectly. Never having ever played an instrument before. And people ask me, but I've been intrigued, and I, I, I'm going to dare to tell you something that has always challenged me. I mentioned it once before, but you see, Christians, our faith is based in Judaism, right? But there are some things that we haven't carried over into Christianity because we're not quite sure about it. 
And Jewish theologians and rabbis have taught that for years our spirits existed with God before we were born. And when they existed with God before we were born, they were fully aware and intelligent. But when they were born, that God put a veil over our memories, our minds, so that we would not remember what heaven and God were like. That's what Jewish rabbis teach. And they say the reason he did that is because he wanted somebody to serve him because they chose to. And if you remember what heaven and God were like, well, it wouldn't even be a choice. You'd just do it, right? So he wanted to know, can you just love me by faith? Now, I don't know if all that's true or not, and I'm not even here to make the argument whether it is. But if it possibly is true and we were fully aware from birth, then what I'm concerned about, what, I, I'm, what has compelled and captivated my attention is that maybe the reason savants are like they are is because they continue to retain some of this godlike awareness and giftedness that we all possess before we were born, if the rabbis are right. That, you see, most of us with a higher IQ grow up and we're more intelligent, so we think things through and we accept lids, but they remain infantile and childlike in their thinking, and they never accept lids. They're incapable of accepting lids. So they dare to believe and just accept for granted what you and I struggle to believe. We were told we were stupid. You'll never mount anything. You're going to be dead, broke the wrist, whatever. These guys, we're told this, oh, playing a piano, my God, that's hard. Hey, you're going to... That they didn't hear any of this because they don't have lids. And they just go over and do it. And what's scary to me and fascinating is, is this a reflection of the potential that every single person in this building, including me, actually possessed? But somewhere along the way, we had a lid put up here like those fleas that I showed you last week. Once you put fleas that can normally jump two feet high, put them in a little quart jar, put a lid on it, leave it three days. I showed you the video. Come back three days later, remove the lid. They'll never jump any higher than that lid as long as they live. Take them out of the jar. They'll still never jump as high as that lid any higher as long as they live. And as I mentioned last week, what was really frightening is that their offspring won't jump any higher than that lid either. Did somewhere along the way somebody put some lids in place? that crippled humanity, all of us. And you see these people come along that still have the minds of children. And I just wonder if maybe that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, except you become as a little child. Oh, come on, help me out right now. I'm preaching right now. God, have mercy. Amen. They have brain deformity and damage. And the exception to this is that some of these savants were perfectly normal until they had an accident or injury that damaged their brain and seemed to shock something and wake it up. They didn't add it to them. It was already in there. It just like, bam, it woke it up. And I mentioned to you Jason Paget, who was absolutely normal in every way, and you can read about him, pull him up on the internet, Google him, Jason Paget, P-A-D-G-E-T-T, who walked into a place to get something to drink. I think it was, was it Seattle or Portland, somewhere in the, north, in the northwest. Walked out, was attacked by muggers, beaten around the head, 
knocked down, kicked in the head, received a blow to the back of his head, was unconscious. When he woke up, he suddenly was a math savant. One of these people that numbers was just incredible. He could see fractals and everything. Incredible. Still boggles the imagination of science. Many scientists out there believe that Jason had that inside of him the whole time. That this tragedy is what woke him up. There's another guy who got hit in the head with a baseball. Same thing happened to him, different area. Because all, all of them have one area that whatever area they were damaged in, it seems like that is where something occurred. And I'm wondering is if it knocked the lid out of place. This is absolutely fascinating to me, because, and this is my point. Could it be that when God originally created man, he created us without any lids at all? Amen. The sky really was the limit. But then we got so smart, we decided we needed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That he said, better leave it alone because in the day you eat, you're going to die. And in getting real smart, we suddenly got stupid. Isn't that what Paul said? Declaring themselves to be wise, they became as fools. The fool is said in his heart, there is no God. What I'm really asking is, is maybe if we lost more in the fall than we realized we lost. And even though Christ has come to set us free, maybe we've still got some lids in place. And so I want to talk to you today about how to remove the lids for the next few minutes. And I want you to understand you were meant to excel. You were made in the image and likeness of God Almighty. Amen. So you need to know before you ever set about to remove a lid how the lid got there. Whether that lid is in your finances, it's in your marriage, it's in your ministry, it's in your musical ability, whatever it is, you need to know what put that lid there. Lids are put in place in our mind because of the filters we accept to in, in our, our thinking. Filters can be good. Filters can be bad. Let me explain. We have two primary filtering systems in the human body. One is the liver. The other is the kidneys or, or the kidneys. You don't live without a good filtering system. Lose either one of those, you will lose your life. Filters in your mind also exist. We constantly process so much information that we cannot handle it all. While I'm talking to you, somebody has coughed, somebody else has maybe yawned, the air conditioner is blowing, you didn't even hear any of these things. Because your brain filters that out. There are two parts to, to your brain, or your intellect. There's a subconscious mind, there's the conscious. Your conscious mind is to filter all of this other stuff out so you can see this is not good for me. And once, or this is good for me, once you establish this filter, are you following? Okay, your subconscious, just give it to me, you know. Whatever you have decided is, is okay. It just floods into your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is your programming. And so you're hearing these thousands and thousands of sounds in the course of a day, things that you're receiving from your sensory receptors, your sight, your, your, the empirical senses, sight, taste, touch, smell, hearing, all of those things. 
but you can't process it or think about each one of them. So you just, you know, that, that's not a threat. That's not good. Just you, you focus in on only a few things in the course of a day because you're receiving tens of thousands of bits of data every single day, every hour for that matter. And so what you do is you allow your filter to filter things out for you. Now, I'll show you what I mean. If there's a real loud noise, bang, and somebody screams, your filter says that's probably trouble, and you're going to look to see what's going on. Okay, that's your filter. And you're going to investigate, see if there's a problem. Here's what you need to understand. This lid that is in place that you can't rise above, that, that if you're going to succeed in life, you've got to get rid of the lid. But the filters are the premises that caused you to accept that lid as your reality. Even when those premises are false. Did you just hear what I said? Once you accepted it, even though it was false, it became very real to you. And then you go about subconsciously setting your lid because you've accepted this filter. From the moment you accept a filter, those filters set you up to hit a lid at some point. After several times of hitting that lid, like the fleas in the jar, you will accept that lid as your ceiling and you will never go beyond it for the rest of your life unless you break it, become aware of it and break it. Now, Israel. The problem Israel had was that after being in captivity for so long, they had gone into captivity for serving other gods, right? And their other gods were false gods that couldn't help them. Their filter became that God can't help. And their lid was, once we're in Babylon, we're not going back. What God was looking for was somebody that had not put in a filter that ruled out the possibility of him speaking life in hopeless circumstances. Most of us, our filter is big C, scary stuff. The lid is anywhere along that way. We set limitations as to what we may or may not do as a result of receiving that diagnosis, what may or may not happen to us. To show you another example uh, the filter in the day that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, if you remember the little children's ditty, the filter was this, that the earth was flat. And if you go so far, because it is flat, you'll come to the edge, you'll fall over. Whoop! And there are dragons waiting there to devour you. That was the filter. So the filter caused the sailors of his day to develop lids. The lids were... We can only go so far from shore. For one, that was 10 miles. I'll get beyond 10 miles. <laughs> that's, no, that's scary. I got to see the shoreline. I got to be able to, I got to, I got to see land hole out there because I'm not getting out there and I'm going over the edge. Somebody else said, my lid is 25 miles. Somebody else said, my lid is 50 miles. Somebody else, my lid's 100. Somebody in this room saying, my lid is 50,000 a year. Somebody else is saying, my lid's 75. I'm starting to get down to where we live yet. My lid's 100. Somebody's saying, uh-uh, man, you get out there. <laughs> no, my lid's 35, 25. We set our lids at different places, but the reason we set them is because we accepted a filter in the first place. 
And to be who we were created to be, we must not only remove any lids that are presently in place. doesn't do you any good to just remove the lid that the most I'll ever make in my life is $50,000 a year. You've got to remove the filter that caused that lid to be set up in the first place. Come on, help me. I'm preaching right now. Oh, you see it in religion all the time. I mean, even things that are supposed to be good for us. There are all kind of folk on Sunday morning that don't believe God works supernaturally anymore because their filter was put in them years ago. All of that stopped at the time of the apostles. So their lid is, you understand what I'm saying? They will never have a personal encounter with God because they filtered it out before it ever got close to happening. Amen. And so, to be who we were created to be, we must not only remove any lids that are in place, but we must also get rid of the filters that caused us to accept those lids in the beginning. Only then can we become empowered or enabled to go beyond the limit imposed by our lids or the level of our limitations, which is why I'm challenged by people like Kim Peake and Leslie Lemke who do not have the ability to think about a lid and therefore for some crazy reason, don't have one. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about this same thing. And I'm talking about who you are. You are a child of God. You are made in his image and in his likeness. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, help me out. Amen. The works that I do shall ye do also, and greater than these shall you do, because I'm going to be with the Father. Why don't we see that happening? Because we have a filter, and then somewhere after that, we set up lids. But these verses that I'm about to read all describe filters and lids. Watch this now. John 1, 45 through 46, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, How can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Nathanael's filter was, Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. His lid was, even though Jesus was the mighty son of God, he could not receive anything from Jesus until his brother, Philip, helped move the lid of the filter out of the way. Oh, come on. I'm talking to you right now. Amen. Matthew 13 and 15. Jesus said, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn that I should heal them. What? Jesus wanted to heal humanity. I'm not just talking about physical damage here or illness. When he said that I should heal them, in my mind... I'm wondering if he's not talking about heal what happened to Adam. I I, want to heal humanity to become all they were meant to be. But they're not hearing me. And so their filter was that when Jesus spoke, they were just hearing a sermon. That's their filter. Their lid was that you're never going to get a miracle because your filter won't let you rise above the level of the lid you have imposed. Come on, help me out now. 
Mark 6, 1 through 6, the people of Nazareth could not accept Jesus' ministry and said, where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. And the scripture says he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Their filter was Jesus is just a homeboy. Their lid was other people got their dead raised to life. Leprosy healed. Blind eyes opened. But their lid was they were never going to see that because their filter wouldn't let them rise. I'm talking about what you got to get out of the way to get to the next level. This is why thinking the same old stuff only produces what you've always had in the first place. You got to come out of where you're at and change some things about the way you think. Amen. I look at Luke 24, 25 on the road to Emmaus, his two disciples. Their filter was... And they all believed this, that when the Messiah came, he would be born son of David. That meant to them royalty. No way in there could they ever envision God sending his son to be born in a stable in a little place like Bethlehem. So Jesus has been crucified. Now he's resurrected. Some are saying his body's stolen away. Jesus joins these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he begins to talk with them. He sees they're really upset. They're disturbed. And he asks, what's going on? They said, we don't understand what this means. And then he said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken unto you. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he preached unto them everything that had happened to him. And when he finally got to the last point, their eyes were open and they realized who he was. They had Holy Ghost heartburn. What did Jesus do? He took his word and removed the filters. And once he removed the filters, they said, what do I got this lid here for? Don't need this anymore. I don't need to be limited to 30,000 a year. I don't need to to pastor a church that's got 20 people in it. Come on, I'm talking to you right now. I don't need to put up with mess in my life. I don't need to go through 15 marriages. Am I helping anybody? I can fix this. I've got power innate inside of me. I'm made in the image and in the likeness of God Almighty. i got stuff in me I hadn't even discovered yet. By the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb, you overcome Look at some other, Revelation 13 and 11. The church of Laodicea said it was rich and increased with goods. But Jesus said they did not know they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What Jesus was saying, you think you've peaked out. There's all kind of levels above where you are. And I counsel you to buy me gold tried in the fire. Their filter was that we've already arrived. Their lid was they'd never rise any higher than that because their filter would not allow them to. You get rid of the filter, you realize there's all kind of stuff out there that God wants to do. I look at Second or First Kings 22 and 8. The king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Whenever Jehoshaphat and he were about to go to war, the king of Israel said, do we have a real prophet of God around here? The king of Israel had brought all these false prophets. 
And the king of Israel, Ahab, said, yeah, we got one. His name's Micaiah. But I hate him because he never talks anything good about me. He never gives me a decent word. Always is, is prophesying bad things are going to happen. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Now help me. What was Ahab's filter? His filter was the prophet will never give me a good word. What was his lead? Though Jehoshaphat had sent for a man of God that could have given them a word out of that dilemma, his lead was, I'm not going to rise above the level that I'm at right now, though God could have used that war they were in to elevate him to the next level. Am I helping anybody right now? You don't know what's going on when you come to the house of God and a word is released. And God's trying to knock some lids out of the way by removing some filters and trying to recreate some thought processes inside of you and challenge your thinking. Amen. I'll put it another way. One time years ago, I had a gas filter. We got some bad fuel. And all of a sudden, the vehicle I was driving that was capable of going well over 100 miles an hour would barely go 25 and was sputtering. So what was the problem? The filter. Once the filter was fixed, the lid that was stopping me from going over 25 miles an hour, all of a sudden I was over 100 again. You hear what I'm talking about? We gotta get rid of some filters in our mind that we can raise the level of our lid to another level. You were made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. Come out of there, man of God. Come out of there, woman of God. Do you know who you're supposed to be? Do you realize who's living inside of you? You're mighty beyond belief. Amen. And I'm not just preaching a feel-good message. I'm trying to tell you this is how the devil messed us up. And we listen, here's another, another filter. Salvation is just about pie in the sky and a sweet by and by when you die. That's a filter. Oh no, uh-uh. That makes you set your lid. If I can just hang on, endure to the end. Like my friends from Kentucky would say. I can just hang in there. You know, and make it. If I can only hold on, you know, when I get to the end of my rope, I'm going to tie a knot and hang on. You set your lid so low because your filter won't let you set it any higher. I look at the famine in Samaria where they were starving and the prophet forecast abundance. He said, by this time tomorrow. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> If you can get rid of the filter, by this time tomorrow, some stuff can be going on in your life that's not going on right now. You're pregnant with something that could be released by this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, you could be at another level doing other things and experiencing God in a way you don't know him right now. By this time tomorrow, but the officer who was the advisor to the king said this. He said, look, if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this thing be? His filter was, this is too big a problem even for God. And the prophet looked at him and said, 
In fact, you're going to see it with your eyes, but your lid's not going to let you eat it. You're going to see it, but you won't get beyond your lid. And he died after seeing it happen. He was trampled to death in the gate of the city by everybody else going out there to claim their miracle. What I'm telling you is, get out of my way. I'm going to get my stuff. I'm going to get my ministry. I'm going to get my anointing. I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to get my, my blessing, my destiny. I'm going to build my dream. Don't try to talk me out of it. Amen. Quickly, let's look at a few lids that are unconsciously causing us or a few filters that are unconsciously causing us to accept lids we're not supposed to accept. There's Yanta's law. Yanta is how it is said. That's actually a, a Swedish-Norwegian name, Yanta. And what it means is this whole idea, and you've seen it before. Let me phrase, rephrase it. It's the who do you think you are law. They actually have a term for it in Scandinavia. It's called the Yanta law. Ever run into the who do you think you are law? Who do you think you are believing that's going to happen to you? Who do you think you are thinking you're going to do anything like that? Who do you think you are? I actually worked on a job one time before I was full-time in ministry where the guy said, hey, 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 slow down. You're making the rest of us look bad. Who do you think you are? They want to hold you down to their level. It's this whole thing about society that you can't climb any higher than the rest of us. You're going to make somebody look bad. I'm sorry. Not trying to make any look bad, anybody look bad, but I'm moving my filter out of the way that I can reach another level. Amen. Get rid of the filter. This who do you think you are? thing that holds so many of us back. You saw that video I started with, Speak Life? See those kids screaming at that little boy? (laughs) Others shouting, speaking death to people. We've all had that happen to us. It's by people who are saying, who do you think you are? Uh -uh. Well, first of all, I don't need your permission to be who I am because God made me, not you. Hello, somebody. Don't come over and tell me what kind of music I can play in my house when you didn't even buy the CD. Number two, throw away the filter of unbelief because unbelief makes you question everything. It will keep you from experiencing the supernatural or accommodating a place in your life for God to be supernatural. Number three, and I got to close, lose the filter of small thinking. The problem with most of us is we think too small. And I've said it before, if God's involved, dream big dreams. Because God doesn't partner with little dreams. He only partners with big dreams. Number four, get rid of the filter of good works. You know what that one is? I can't be blessed. Oh, you'd never articulate this, but in your mind you think it. I can't be blessed because I hadn't been good enough. I've got news for you. On your best day, you're not good enough. 
and we think our sickness is, and when we lose our job, and when we make a bad investment, and when something goes wrong in our life, none of us are perfect. We beat ourselves up over it. We flagellate ourselves, put stripes on our own back, and make ourselves miserable because we deserve this. No, you didn't. That's what the grace of God is all about. Hello, somebody. You'll never be good enough. By his grace, I am who I am. Life application points, and I'm done. How do you get rid of filters that are harmful that cause you to develop lids in life? Number one, use the displacement method. Negative filters exist in a vacuum. You replace them by not trying to remove them. Instead, you replace them with good things. If you try to remove them, it's like trying to make a negative go away by thinking the negative. Give you an example. When I first came here years ago, anybody here still remember that Wednesday night? I was preaching from Galatians. And I said, the thing you focus on is what you end up wanting. And most religion focuses on the bad things. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Next thing you know, everybody in the congregation is... You know what I'm saying? You don't focus on this stuff. You focus on God, the goodness of God. And I gave an illustration. Anybody remember, remember this? I love pralines and cream bluebell ice cream. And Baskin and Robbins is not bad. But if you really want to try something that will be memorable, get your blender, put some pralines and cream ice cream in it, and get root beer and pour it in it. And then turn on that blender and mix it up. Your whole body goes. And I preached about it and I said, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. And I described this concoction in a glass dripping with condensation. Whipped cream on top and a cherry on the top of that. And I said, but don't think about it. And don't go ever eat one. Don't go get one. That night when I got through preaching, and I checked the next day, I went to the Baskin-Robbins right there on I-10. They said, we don't know what happened, but last night, just about the time some church let out, we had the biggest Wednesday night we've ever had in our history. You know why? Because you can't get rid of a negative by thinking about a negative you got to replace it. Instead of thinking what you are, that's, I'm this, I'm held back, I'm limited. you got to say, I'm mighty in God. Amen. you got to pull down strongholds. Hello, somebody. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. you got to cast down those imaginations by programming yourself with the word of Almighty God. Look in the mirror and say, you are a child of God. You're made in God's image and likeness. Amen. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on those things. The tragedy of most believers is we don't spend our time thinking about potential. We spend our time thinking about problems. Number two, stop playing the blame game 
if you want to get rid of filters that are destructive and harmful. I know you had bad stuff said to you. You've been through bad things. People have hurt you. It's happened to me. It happened to every one of us. You don't live in this world without experiencing that. Here's the problem, though. If you keep blaming that person, you give them control. And you lose control. You empower them instead of yourself. You give away the power necessary to correct the problem. So what if somebody did you wrong, said something ugly to you? Stop the blame game. Amen. Look forward, not backward. Amen. Am I helping anybody right now? Say, I can, instead of shame on you for what you did. Let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Let it go. Was somebody at sing Frozen right now? Let it go. Let it go. Because you're frozen. You're stuck. Let it go. Give up the habit of dissatisfaction, number three. If you want to get rid of the filter, lose the habit of dissatisfaction. Some people are in a habit of always seeing the negative. They will never be happy because they won't allow themselves to be. They're always dissatisfied. Teach yourself that no matter what state you are in or condition, Paul said, to be there with content. What does that mean? I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Well, you don't look like you're blessed. I'm blessed because you don't even know what's going on inside of me. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm a child of God. Don't you judge me by my external circumstances or how many pairs of shoes I have. I'm blessed. Number four, don't recidivate during times of stress because so many people go backward in times of stress. And number five, my time is gone. Give God's grace time to work in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. Some people hear a message like I'm preaching right now. Go home in 30 minutes on Sunday afternoon. They try to put it in operation. Come back the next Sunday and say, it didn't work. I tried it for 30 minutes. It just, well, you're 47 years old. How, many, how long do you think it's going to take to undo all that negative programming inside of you? Give God's grace some time to work.